what, why am I not sharing this? It was, it's almost like you, why not me? You know, like you come to that point where I forget the guy who said it. He said, um, God nor people are served by you playing small. Okay, well, I'll jump in. Here we go. This is the Living Numbers Podcast, where everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Of course, make sure you all share, rate, review, five stars, number one. Number two, subscribe on Apple or Spotify for the behind the scenes. Me and Brian just talked about some amazing things before the episode started. And we're also going to talk about some amazing things once the episode is over. But you got to subscribe for that stuff. So definitely make sure you guys check out that for the extra content. Of course, follow on IG and TikTok, the Living Numbers Podcast. Last thing, last but not least, of course, merch link in the description. Now, of course, when we have somebody on for the first time, they have to get an elaborate intro. So, hailing from somewhere in New York. I did not quite find it in my research, but we'll get into that in a moment. Our guest received his bachelor's in biology and chemistry from S-U-N-Y, ooh, one Yanta. I know I said that wrong. You'll correct me in a minute. And his master's in education from State University of New York College at Potsdam. He was one of 10 teachers honored as National Teacher Innovators by PBS and the Henry Ford Foundation. Those are some hard hitters there. He's a teacher that hates grades because he believes that grades are not real meaningful feedback. I 100% agree. And we will talk about teaching in a moment. He lives his life by the constant pursuit of health, connection, and impact. Half comedian, half philosopher, and whole teacher, I present the Brian Zivatek. Please tell me if I said your name right. Uh, it, it's it's <laughs> close, uh, Zivotek, but I, I really appreciate it, Tony. Ah. I'm excited to be here. No, it's funny because in the in the before show, I I usually think about that. My wife. Uh, when we got married, hated the fact that she went from a name that was easy to pronounce to one that nobody knows how. So uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to uh, what you got for me. Man, me too. And I just talked about earlier, like, this is going to be a blast. Uh, I, I already, you know, it's already happening. It's already yeah. happening. So we'll get into our first number. Now, this first number really hits home for me because. I used to buy gum all the time when I was a kid. I would go to the store, I would get a pack of Winter Fresh, a pack of Juicy Fruit, and a pack of Big Red. And those packs cost 25 cents each. Now, I use that word 25 because our wonderful guest here has been a teacher for over 25 years. 25-ish, 25 plus, I believe is what your bio says. So, how? You know, a lot of people, their backup plan was teacher. Mm. And we see sometimes those are not the best ones. 
Sometimes they can be pretty good. But how did you land in teaching, Brian? Man, uh, you took me back to that little red corner of every one of those packs of gum that had that 25. Yep. <laughs> Pull it out. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, so I, I, you know, going through school, I don't think I ever, as a student myself, I really thought I was going to be a teacher um, until I had one, one teacher is my track coach. So I was a pole vaulter and a sprinter, a hurdler, like uh, I, I still coach track and field to this day. I love the sport, but he was, uh, he actually was a stand-up comedian on the side. And, mm -hmm. and he, he would, he would say to me, like, as a freshman, you know, like, we're going to hang out when you, when you graduate, we just clicked, you know? And so that came back a couple of years into college. I would originally gone for physical therapy. It's a sports thing. I still think I would have loved that, but, um, it just wasn't, you know, things just weren't lining up. And, and then I thought, man, that was fun. That interaction with him. And I wonder mm -hmm. if that's, kind of the, the goal I want to go for. So when I switched, it was, it was almost like, it was just instant. Everything started falling into place. And, and, uh, you know, I found my, I found my people in middle school, right? Like these little weirdos that are 12 to 14. And, um, <laughs> it's, it's cool. At first I was like, you know, I'll be higher ed, I'll get my doctorate. And then you have to student teach and the high school. So that was pretty cool. And then I went to middle school. Like <laughs> These kids don't know like anything of what's going on in their life and they're fun. <laughs> right. And so for me, that was like, no, oh, this is, this is it. So that's kind of how I landed in education. And, um, and I honestly, if, of, so this is, this is year 25 for me. And mm -hmm. I came out of the classroom two times. Um, one was to do instructional technology and like a PBL coaching, ed tech coaching type stuff. And then I went back when that grant ended, and then I just came out last fall. Um, essentially, a similar similar role got funded again, um, and I work district wide. I I push into like kindergarten classes all the way up through um, computer science, AP computer science mm -hmm. in high school. All things shiny, all things fun. Um, I don't have any any grades now, um, so I can I can make that statement having seen what it does to kids when you remove that. But uh, yeah, so it, it, for me, it was like I, I stumbled in, even though I don't think it shocked anybody, any of my teachers could have said, oh, I saw that coming, you know. Um, and then you go through like, now I think back to I must have annoyed every teacher ever because <laughs> they would say something. I'd be like, OK, I see what you're getting at, but there was a better way. And so I'd raise my hand, mm. that annoying kid. And I would be like, did you mean? And then I would reword it. And my, even some of my friends would be like, oh. And, you know, and, and I felt that a little bit like, yeah, you know, so it was weird that I didn't catch that for like another six or seven years that it was always part of who I was. And, um, mm. yeah, so, uh, I, I love the teaching game. I don't always love where education is headed, but I certainly love interacting with kids that have a desire to learn and that pull out of you something, um, that makes them better humans and that, that gives them something to grab onto and run with on their own. So, so that's kind of my my education story, maybe in a quick intro. Man, that was actually going to be my, my next question was like, were you like that as a kid? Because a lot of times we can kind of see these like inklings of who we are now. If we look back at yeah. different situations, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This was kind of leading to this path. Uh, you were in college and you say you switched at some point. Yeah. What was the, the moment, the memory, the experience that made you go, 
okay, like I think I want to change course here and I really want to pursue this education thing. Yeah, I I think um, so. I'd originally started off the SUNY you mentioned, SUNY State University in New York. It's, it's all the state schools um, here, and I started off in this like uh, it's called the health sciences, right? It could lead to anything. Mm-hmm. It's just your basics, and that's why I didn't go too far with biology and chemistry. I was already taking it, and I liked the courses, but um, I was headed for medical laboratory research, and the thought of me sitting alone in a lab working on something, it just I was like, do I this this is at me, you know? And it just, so, um, I had one semester at West Virginia university, which I loved, but it was, that was for me, that was a turning point in every area of my life. Like I hit rock bottom in so many ways, but it was also like a light turned on, you know, like my daughter has this cool little bouncy ball that you throw it at the floor hard enough. It lights up. Well, kind of feel like that's what happened to me. Um, I, I, you know, I was like, Oh man, you know, I think I know what I want to do with my life. And that's when I went to Oneana. I'll get you on that one too. I, that's a tough there one. We go. But uh, so, and then I just wanted to get out of college. It was like by transferring, I'd, I'd lost some credits. I'm like, I don't want to spend money. I know what I want to do now. And so I didn't want to live in the college town. I moved like 15 minutes away and commuted. So I didn't have any distraction. Um, I just wanted to get done. I wanted to, you know, it was like, I don't know when everybody else grows up, but that was about 21 for me. I'm like, yeah, I, I think I want to be an adult now. And, um, well, in some, in some areas, you know, we still gotta, right, we still gotta right. have fun. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where, where it clicked for me, you know, is, uh, just maybe a little bit of that first beginnings of self-discovery that I'm not meant to work a- alone forever. I need to be around people. It's funny you say that. Cause I was around the same age, started at university of Houston. It went down over there. None of it my fault, but I couldn't go back to school, didn't have any money, didn't have any financial aid. And I was like, man, this sucks. So I kind of just had to work and work until I could do it on my own. You know, you don't need your parents stuff. Yeah. And so once I did that, I mean, I was like, I just need to get this done. Lost the credits that I had because yep. of the money situation. Yeah. And so I'm just like, okay, three years, got my bachelor's. I was done. And from there, I go to China. My wife and I teach over there for a year. I'm kind of speeding this story up. I've told it a bunch of times. But yeah. uh, when I get back, I'm like, okay, uh, let's see what teaching looks like in in the States, right? Because I hadn't taught anywhere like in school. Like I taught at my church, you know, Bible studies, that kind of thing. Right, right, yeah. Uh, but a friend of mine was like, hey, you should, you should try. You'll love it. Just start subbing. And from there, I was like, okay, yeah, this is it. Now. You mentioned you're a middle school teacher. Yeah. I knew for sure I didn't want to go to middle school. <laughs> <laughs> and good for you. I was like, man, I said, I'm only going to sub at high schools because yeah. I know I'm only, I only want to teach high school. I always say like in teaching, you have people who go, I'll only do middle school. I don't want to deal with high school kids. Don't want to do the little ones. Right. And you got other people go, I'll only take the little kids. Yeah. I won't take the older kid and vice versa, you know, with yeah. high school. So you talked about like the kids being in this weird place. When did you start to like understand how you could help them there? And from there, like knowing, okay, middle school is definitely the the place to be for me. Uh, As soon as I student taught middle schoolers, uh, it was, it was instant. It was like, yep, this, these are my, these are my people. And, and it was just that, like, I, so I took on this, 
So I, I joke about the half comedian. I really, I really shouldn't, you know, it's only because that's, that's <laughs> less left up to you, whether or not it's funny. But, um, I would, I started doing this, this almost like these little bits right in, in middle school. And I realized that if I could make fun of myself and mm. I had, I've had teachers call me on this, like, ah, oh, is that good modeling? I'm like, well, people know the difference when you are actually deprecating yourself and when you're just trying to make light of things, right? Like, and as soon as you could draw the attention off of their, you know, social awkwardness and what's going on with their body and their hormones and like, man, all the pure stuff that they relax because they Mm. actually forgot that all that stuff, they were supposed to be keeping track of that, you know? And, um, and I, and then the walls come down and it's weird. You know, I, I would say I had a teacher, it was a, actually one of my bosses early on. And she said, you know, I feel like you, you want kids to, to like you. And I think they need to like science. And at the time, in like 24, I'm like, okay, I see what you're getting at. I probably didn't quite know where that boundary was. But now yeah. I'm like, no, you're wrong. Because at middle school, they, if you look at the research, they're not going to remember anything that happens in middle school. But they're changing so much that if they remember a person who was positive, encouraging, you know, who connected with them, who made them want to come, I... <laughs> maybe I'm setting the bar low, but that's a win. And, and so I started looking at it. If I could make my class a place that kids were not feeling like anxious or stressed out or, or whatever, they just wanted to be there. Then that was, that was a win for middle schoolers. And then if you could build a relationship on top of that, that they came back to you two years later or whatever. Um, right. I mean, I just think it yes. is work yes. your way up that ladder if you make your curriculum the most important thing in the life of that kid, you missed it because yep. their, their family, their, you know, their safety is going to be way higher than that. So, so I think, you know, that made me feel like, all right, um, I think I got these kids figured out uh, t- to a point, you know, so. Brian, I that stayed. is so, so, so important. Cause that's kind of, so I was 20, I was 28 when I I got back from China and started kind of getting into the schools. And I'm like, I only know how to be me, right? I can't teach like the teacher across the hall. We had this amazing teacher, Dr. Amenigu, shout out. She is strict. She is organized. She has rules. She's also very encouraging for those kids, right? right? She does it in her own way. Yeah. I'm like, I can't teach like that. That's just, yeah. I can't even do that for myself. So right. Right. I have to just be myself. Now, as a teacher, you know, and the adult in the classroom, right, you're always kind of balancing, like, especially with high school kids, like, okay, what's too far? Yeah. Like, where's yeah. the line? Where are the rules? And, you know, what, uh, what are my must-haves? What needs to happen yeah. in my classroom? Yeah. And then how much latitude can I give these kids to be themselves and to to crack jokes and to, but not go too far, right? right we don't want right. jokes to turn into a fight or bullying. Uh-huh. So there's always like this, this line in the classroom and people are always talking about, oh, you know, you can't, you cross that line or whatever. But when somebody comes and they need help, mm-hmm. they want you to help them. That's right. So you're like, okay, y'all can't have it both ways, right? If we're going to be real in here, we're going to be real. We're going to talk about real things and I'm going to help you and I'm going to guide you as a, as an adult, yeah. as a person with experience and I'm going to, and I'm going to make those connections. 
right? Because a lot of kids, anybody could teach whatever, you know, there's tons of curriculum out there, Brian, you know, mm-hmm. there's a plenty of great science teachers. For me, I teach a speech class. There's plenty of great people who could tell you how to talk. There's videos, right? Yeah. Do you need me? Who knows? Uh, but what I do want to do, just like you said, I want to provide a space for you to be, to feel safe, you know, no matter who you are, where you fall on, on a spectrum, that's a, a huge thing now, or whatever your disability may be right now, I'm talking yeah. your, your teacher language. Yeah. Yeah. Like come in, you know, it's Mr. Franklin class. It's all good. I got a couple of rules. And if you can follow these few rules, it's going to be a great time. So, man, I'm, I'm so happy that you do it that way. Uh, and I've only been teaching for five years, so I don't, I'm a, still a young pup, but man, so many people go, oh, you can't smile until Christmas. Oh, like, dude. Oh, don't get me started. I had it. Oh, there's no, no way. There's no wrong. way. Yeah. Go for it. Go, Brian. Yeah. Get started. Oh, no, like, so I, I, <laughs> uh, I had a teacher who told me that, like, oh, best advice I ever got. Don't smile until Christmas. I'm like, that is stupid. So in other words, you don't want the kids to like you until halfway through the year. Have you ever heard of the law of reciprocity? Like if, if you, if you like kids immediately, everything changes. Like when I look back over 20 some years, I could, I could count almost on one hand, how many referrals, write-ups, whatever you want to call them. I had to do. Now it's not to say that I didn't have my fair share of kids who we just didn't mesh. That's going to happen. Um, but the culture that I created by being a goofball and welcoming kids, yes. that that was not on the table, you know? And, and I, I just feel like the, you created then a culture that until Christmas, you, you were going to be someone you're not, man, that's exhausting. And, and so uh, I find that like the kids don't know how to take me at first, you know, like the first uh, week or so, because I think because of that, like so many teachers are like, Oh, you gotta be, uh, one guy told me this, and I, I get this one. He said, it's hard. It's better to start off Mr. Nazi and end up Mr. Nice Guy. Now, whether or not we should even use that reference anymore, I don't know. I don't care. But the point was, <laughs> it was like, you should start off being, you know, it's easier. And and the more I got to know this guy, he wasn't telling you to be mean. He was just saying it's easier to go that direction than to try to rein them in. And I found that out. He mm-hmm. was right. But that doesn't mean you got to take it so far in the beginning that, the kids don't want to be there. Like, I, so I got myself on interview committees probably like 10 years in and I, and, and I was like, wait a minute, wait, if we're in middle school, there, there are two types of people who have a middle school classroom under control. There is one that they scare the kids. And so the kids are not going to say anything. It might be super regimented. They might be mean. It's like, you know, and then there's the other kind that the kids respect you because they like you. And then they have control of the classroom. And I said, that is the one I want. It, it, both mm-hmm. of those classrooms will be orderly, but the kids aren't learning in both of those classrooms, or at least not, they're not, not a healthy type of learning, you know? So, Absolutely. I mean, it's a little bit of confirmation bias because that's the path that I chose. So of course I think is the best one, but you know, I think I'm right. Man, I'm, <laughs> I always default to like, you got to be who you are. Right. Yeah. If that's if that's who you are. You know, you, you try to make the best of it. And I'm, I'm always I'm a connector. I'm a connect with you because when I do have to uh, if we if you do have to get written up or if you do have to get that failing grade, guess what? You're not going to think it's because I don't like you. Right. 
right? We're going to talk about this. Okay, I'm going to say, hey, okay, did you do A, B, and C? Did you do X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Did you do L, M, N, O, P? Mm-hmm. Right? And they're going to understand that it's not because I said, me, our relationship, and your grade are mutual, can be mutually mm-hmm. exclusive. Right. I can like you and you can still fail the class because right. that part is on you. Yeah. Now, I can like you to a lesser degree and you can still pass because the grade is on you. I just grade the work. I tell them all the time. Yeah. Okay. I got a couple a couple other things here. Go for it. You've done so many amazing things in, in your career. You've been teaching for so long. Um, how did you figure out how to manage those different hats on campus? Because, I mean, we're going to talk about burnout and all that kind of stuff um, yeah. in a second. But, you know, especially when you connect with the kids and you love your job, a lot of times it's hard to say, no, Yeah, I can't do it. I don't have time, you know. So how did you learn how to manage those different hats? Yeah, you know, that's a tough one. I I don't think I've ever been um in the, in the early days, I'll, I'll go there. I wasn't great at the the parent contact part, you know. It was, it was sort of like, mm. well, I put it out there, you have access to it. And and I'm I I would say I've come around a lot more to the if you are if you're willing to put in the work to get to let the parents realize you're on their team because this is their team. Now, this is another this is another like pet peeve, right? I hear I heard a teacher say this to me and it was one of those it takes a lot to get me riled but there are certain buttons that it's like yep fast forward you just got me there and <laughs> and she said I think parents should have less say in public education and I'm like whoa hold up this is not your kid this is their kid and I like we so I think a lot of times teachers get in that mindset of you know the parents are the problem Mm-mm. If once you realize that this is their kid and they love them more than you do, and I don't care, you know, how much you love that kid in front of you, that they're the ones that are going to take them beyond your class. And so how can you think about, uh, I'm here to join your team. And mm-hmm. rather, and then a lot of times you got a difficult parent because they probably approached you thinking they were going to have to fight you um and stick up for their kid and fight their kid you know what i mean like they're doing so i think like that's something i learned that was that was tough i made some mistakes earlier in my career that i can laugh about now things that i said that maybe uh I, well not maybe i definitely shouldn't should have thought about a little more <laughs> it's like a shoots and ladders from my brain to my to my mouth but uh so that was tough i think the other one is dealing with a um a team a concept where everybody meets together and then, you know, all, all the kids I have for science have the same social studies, math, ELA for the most part, you know, like meetings, mm-hmm. meetings have been something like there's anybody that has been around me knows that's kind of the bane of my existence. Cause I, I feel like we're wasting time. And so there were a couple of ways it, it might not be the most healthy things. I talk about some of these in my book, you know, like sometimes you just want to buy your tongue, just let the meeting go a little faster because you didn't say anything. And, and although that might, it's not quiet quitting. I think, you know, that's like this, this newest thing, but it was mostly that I just had to come to grips with, was it important enough for me to comment um, and to, to put some of my energy emotion into that? If one, it was not our purview to make that decision. It's actually an admin decision. Nothing was going to change. It really was just either gossip or complaining. And now I know I'm stepping on some toes, but like, and so I'm just going to be quiet. You know, another thing I started doing, and again, some people might, 
look at this and say, oh man, that's, that's harsh. I locked my door and I closed it. And so I started guarding my quiet time. And, and this is mm-hmm. leading up to burnout when I realized that, that trying to wear all those different hats is hard. And, and I didn't want to, to be, I mean, if I'm going to be candid with you, I didn't want to, I just wanted to teach the kids. I didn't want to deal with any of the administrative stuff. I didn't want to deal with any paperwork. I didn't want to deal with parents. I just want to connect with kids and make it fun and, you know, right. And then go home and be sane for my own self and for my family. And so I did a lot of things to probably guard that in the early days. And then, um, I would say probably about 10 years ago, I I mentioned about getting on interview committees, something clicked where I was like, Mm. you know, the squeaky wheel is getting the grease and it still is squeaking. So why don't I, uh, like, I'm secure enough in myself now to say, I'm going to step forward and try to make a difference because the, the people who oftentimes speak up are wrong. They're just loud. Mm-hmm. And, and so people want to silence them because they keep talking. But no, if you're not focused on kids and you're not focused on, you know, like some balance of what this is all about, then um, we needed to get some different voices, you know. So I actually started getting a little bit more involved. And uh, I'm not so sure that's the right, <laughs> that was the right decision. But um, I felt a little, well, you can complain and be a victim or you can, you can you just decide you're going to do something or decide it's yep. not valuable. And once you can come to that point that, okay, I guess it is valuable enough for me to get in the ring, then get in the ring. Uh, but if it's not cheer on everybody else or, or t- change the channel. Right. So um, I think all those are good things. You just have to know, you keep saying it, man, you're right on is you, you got to know you, if you pick yeah. every battle, you can be exhausted. And Man. so you got to find out which one, what resonates with who you are. And, and if somebody's poking the bear, then as long as you are in the right, you know, mindset to, man, who is the guy just said this respond, not react. This is hitting me hard. So I'm sharing it with you. And it's like, when it. you respond, that's thoughtful. And when you react, that's just automatic. And, and, uh, finding that point where, all right, somebody's poking you. Can you take a step back? okay, I'm going to respond, not blast them, you know? And, and I think, again, that's knowing you and knowing whether or not that's a fight is a hill worth dying on, you know, to use the cliches up today. But I always found, uh, because people will always talk about, they use a phrase, it's about the kids. I'm here for the kids, 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 right? <laughs> Did somebody tell you how to, how to poke me? Cause you're getting at all my pet peeves here today, Tony. <laughs> I think we maybe cut from, from the same cloth here. I always feel like, okay, if we don't have good adults, right? If our if our adults are not in a good place, they can't be good for kids either. Come on. That's right. So we can't just focus all of our attention on the kids. There has to be someone or no, no, no. There has to be a culture that yeah. takes the adults into account too. Right. And so that's always one thing that I am known for is on my off period, whether this is, no, I take care of my business, so I'm good. Okay, I know how to prioritize. Yeah. I'm like always visiting other teachers. If if they have second period off, I'm like, you know, we got our little tardy station, you know, that bell rings, you know, you got to check tardy tar- kids in, give them their tardy, send them to class. You know, I got a guy at my tardy station. I mean, 
anybody I'm on tardy duty with, we're going to bond. It's just going to happen because yeah. I'm going to be talking to you. I'm going to be asking you about your family. You know, how's it going? I'm going to tell you, you know, whatever little stories I have. And, um, you know, I just visit people because I want the teachers to also feel like, you know, it's okay. Like it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. You know, the grades will be here when you get back tomorrow. Don't stay here until yeah. seven o'clock at night. Yeah. There was, there was a, a one guy, was a math teacher, and he had just transferred to our district. And he teaches like a pre-AP or yeah. I don't know yeah. what they call it. Yeah, he teaches yeah. the upper level. So they got to make these the super hard tests and stuff. And he was like, all hours of the night, I'm like, dude, okay, every once in a while, you might have to pull like a seven o'clock night, you know, right before grades are due or, or whatever the case may be. But that, can't, that can't be... Not even no. a once a week thing. No. That's even too much. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like talking to the other adults because I feel like if we built that culture where the adults are doing well too, then they'll be better for for the kids. You got so it. you said I, I pushed your button there. <clears throat> Go ahead, Brian. This is All your right. turn. So so I, you took it in a different way, and so I'm I'll, I'll try to quickly gloss over where you you pushed the button, which is. I feel like in, in school culture, people use the, well, it's what's best for the kids as a manipulation to get what they want you to do, which yes. usually is, you know, pass them or stay until like nine o'clock. Well, I didn't want to do a dance. You know why I didn't want to do a middle school dance? Well, one, because they're horrible. Um, but, but two, I want to go home. You know, I coached, I coached two seasons pretty much my entire career. I've coached at least two seasons. In that third one, I'm going home. And, and so to talk about this, this self-care thing, man, and, and, and that's got a bad, that's got a, mm. almost like a bad reputation now because people are using yes. it all the time. And I'm not talking about, you know, um, go home and, and like sit on the couch and eat bonbons, you know, like that. No, we're talking about if you are not a healthy you, like I, I could, ah. I gotta be careful. Um, the the teachers that I see that are the ones that I'm like, mm, they aren't they aren't taking care of themselves, and so they they've got themselves to this point about burnout. This is exactly why I wrote the book, right? Like I looked at people mm. and I saw two things: is I saw people that have no business being around children because they don't love themselves, let alone have anything in themselves to overflow positively on the life of a twelve year old. This is a kid. Come on. This is not a coworker adult in an office environment that is toxic because they've been that way. No, this is a kid. They're, they're growing and developing and they need, you know, some grace and they need some patience and you are the adult in the room. Right. So it, that was number one. And the other one was that I saw teachers that did exactly what you're saying. Right. They, they lived their entire life. They're working. If you look at it, they're working 14, 16 hour days every day. Um, and then they retire and in five years they're dead. Like wow. that, I remember those and I, I know names. I'm certainly not going to mention them, but like, like, Oh, you know, my first couple of years, this guy retires. Like, Oh, he was a good, oh, psh, done. Like within five years, it happened three, four times right in a row. And then I was like, Whoa, what is going on? And, and you notice that you cannot run on empty, you know, uh, for that long without it taking a toll. And every one of us knows, I mean, we got to get some deep stuff here, right? Like you're not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. You're going to live for that retirement to then do what you wanted your life to be about. No, you, you've got to build. Um, I forget who the guy was just said this recently and it, and it, it was awesome. He said, no, you should be designing 
your lifestyle, wait, no, I'm going to get this. Here we go. Your job needs to serve your life, your lifestyle, yes. not the other way around. And, and it's funny because one of the things that I'm, um, I'm toying with this idea of writing, writing another book about education reform. And it says, why don't we ever have this conversation with kids? Say, so, oh, well, you're going to go to college. You're going to get that job. Well, hold up. Let's back this up and say, what kind of life do you want? What kind of life yes. do you want to live? What, wh- how do you want to feel at the end of every day? How, wh- you know, what is your health going to be like? What is your family going to be like? What is your time going to look like? What hobbies do you want to have? Do you want to have joy and peace, right? All that stuff. Now, what job could you could you pursue that meets checks all those boxes and leaves you the time to be more than just that right like mm. so many teachers take on it that teacher is an identity that all of a sudden means those 16 hour days and it means that i got to ha- take home stuff on the weekend and it means no it does not and we got to stop uh-uh. That, uh-uh. we have to stop that expectation and say if you come in healthy and you look human to human first, then you're going to make a difference. And then you can talk about your content. And then you can talk about whether or not that grade that you you decided to, to give the kids that assignment that took you nine hours to grade, could mm. you have given them actionable feedback in a relational manner in one-tenth of the time and moved on? Uh, yes. Every time. But it's the story that we lived, therefore it's the story we tell. And that's dumb. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> Just because it's the school I went to and I didn't like it, I'm going to make some other kid go through it and that's your rite of passage? Like, well, no, not me. Nope. No, no, man. Hey, this, Brian, this is a real discussion right here, man. I'm mm. so, <sighs> okay, here we go. You've been teaching for a long time. <laughs> I'm trying not to get stuck. I'm easily distracted. I yeah, tell same. my kids all the time. We we would just we'll just start talking about you know whatever story I may have, or we may yeah. start talking about video game. It could just really be anything. And the cooler the class is, like the better the rapport we have. You know, some classes like y'all just the whole class just kind of has like this great rapport where we can kind of bat it back and forth. Yeah. I mean, we could just get way off. I'm like, y'all, it's 10 minutes. Okay, we actually need to do something today. <laughs> and that's the that's my favorite part about being yeah. a teacher. Okay, I've, I've already done it. I've already done it. Okay. I have another question. Yeah. Okay, from your perspective, how has teaching changed over the years, right? Because mm. you, you kind of touched in on it a little bit. And, and where do you think it's going next after you ask that? Well, I I almost feel like I... I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on the past. I think it hasn't changed enough for some, Mm. um, there you walk around, you'll, this is what kills me about the high school. You walk around and most kids are, there's no interaction at all. The teachers at the desk, the kids are at their desk, they're on their phone or a device. I'm like, Oh man, you know, like, and I, I am a full on tech, like give me all the tech in the world, but the tech can't replace a relationship. And as soon as you, a tech can replace grades, a tech can replace even like a live lecture. It probably should, you know, like I learned that at COVID, I was sitting right here, right in front of me with my daughter who was two at the time. And I'm like, why have I been doing this lesson the same five times a day for 20 years? Why didn't I record on, it Brian. once and get like, a, get a, a banger, right? And put it out there and then, and shorten it. 
and then have the kids are like, okay, that was 12 minutes. Normally that would take me 40 because I'm going to goof around a little bit, right? And have some fun. Now, <laughs> if you watch that on your own, now I can sit with you, right? This whole flipped mm-hmm. classroom model. So I would say um, that, uh, that's what's major, the major changes of coming at much more of a social collaborative classroom. Uh, we're, we're pushing a lot more tech at kids. We're gamifying. I think all those things are good. Um, but I think what I saw in the midst of COVID was pretty soon they're going to figure out they don't need a school. And, and, and the, the upper level kids, I co-teach a, an elective class that has no agenda, no curriculum, no grades. We are making it up as we go. We do video game design and, and we're going to teach kids content creation and like, man, anything they want, it's wide open. But the guy that I co-teach with his, his son is a senior and he's figured it out. He's like, wait a minute, 90% of what they're giving us is busy work but I care about what I learn, and nobody wants to actually have a real conversation. I was like, Oh, you're not supposed to figure that uh-huh. out. <laughs> right? And I think, but I think now it's, it's this opportunity that, right. Like as a teacher, if that's the reality, then don't fight to get back to the way things were fight to go forward to what they could be. And I think that as soon as you say to kids, what do you want to learn? And they get out of their mind that you're going to tell them what was valuable and they get to tell you what's valuable. And then you can coach them on that. Now you got a hooked mm. kid that is, is connect is buy-in right. And they're connected with you. So when all those issues of life, like I call these kids weirdos in middle school, all those weird issues come up, who are they coming to? Right. And, and hopefully if you, that's the kind of person you are, then you, you, I'm hope that, that you are sharing those values. At least they're going to be better than the ones they're going to find uh, amongst their peers, which is what they do mm. in middle school. Right. So I think, you know, it's changed in the sense that we say we don't have kids sitting in rows, but when you walk around, okay, you made an arc. Cool. All the kids are still facing you. Right. Um, I think that we're moving in that direction of more student driven, more collaborative, um, more inquiry based type stuff. I mean, the, the days you mentioned it, like your favorite thing, the thing that makes me come alive is when the kids just like pull it out of you. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I had a plan for five minutes and then I'm going to let them go. And then all of a sudden I got a kid standing in front of me who found out I had a YouTube channel and she's like, I want to start a podcast on YouTube with my friends, um, about how we play dungeons and dragons. And I don't know where to start. I talked to her for 25 minutes I had no idea what the other kids in the room were doing. That's good to have a co-teacher. He was floating around, but like this kid (laughs) was a wallflower a week before that. And now she's like our star because it gave her ownership and she connected. So, I I mean, I keep coming back to this. If that's where education is going, I'm all in. But if it's not, then I keep, I, I keep toying with this idea. How do we provide that? Because education could be the most powerful thing. Or it could teach kids that, well, it's just the same curriculum you learn for 50 years and it's all online or, or <laughs> chat GPT. You can find it all super fast. What, but what about what you care about? What are you going to do with it? Can you create something mm-hmm. that was meaningful? You know, do you have something to say that makes people think or engage in conversation? Like that's, that's so much higher level than, Hey, can you remember these facts about the war of 1812? And then spit them back to me in, in four or five days. And then I'll give you a grade and then we'll forget it ever happened. Like that, that's not education, <laughs> but that's what we do. I don't know. I'm a little frustrated what, about it. 
<laughs> that's what a lot of people do, but that's not what we do, bro. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. We do. And something that's what say. That's different. what I'm trying to say. Is like, can I challenge you to think about what could be, just for mm. a second, and that maybe it would make you less exhausted and happier, and then burnout wouldn't be a thing. You wouldn't be. You wouldn't be doing those seven o'clock. Nope, because. Oh. You can no, make it valuable no, no, no. by doing something different, can't you? If you can see that. And I, and I mean, I don't mean that to be condescending. I think it's a product of story. Like I, the, every class I experienced growing up was the same. And so think about how slow teachers are to respond to change. And this is, it's not a slight, it just is. I mean, I had 13 years of, of, uh, you know, elementary to high school. Then you got your college. Everything was the same. So when you become a teacher, that's the only narrative you have is to reproduce what you went through. Unless you get out and you see somebody that does something crazy and you're like, man, that, that, that felt like, like it didn't steal all my, <laughs> it, it wasn't a fun sucker. As one of my friends, that's like, you know, somebody's got to be the fun sucker. I, it's not going to be me, you know, like, but if that's your job, like, man, that's why people are going three, four years. And I'm like, yeah, not for me. And maybe it mm -hmm. was for you, but you just chose to, to follow a narrative that was never meant to be. It just was. And we we're, we're keeping it for some dumb reason. Right. Like the high five. I remember this old Saturday night live skit. It was like, you know, nobody likes the high five, but we're going to keep it until a suitable replacement has been found. And, you know, now we got <laughs> it's that's, I, I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's jump to, because you, you talked about like burnout and you mentioned YouTube, yeah. which brings me to my next number. Okay. February 4th, 2009, you published your first YouTube. Oh gosh, video. please don't tell me you watched it. I did not watch it. Good, good. But funny thing here is we had a middle school night, I think it was. Is I mean it's probably actually still happening. Uh and I also coach basketball. Yeah. So I'm like, crap, like there's so much going on, you know. I'm like, I have to prep for this episode, right? I have a a, a system, I have a way I do things. Yeah. I need that time to be able to, to do the episode how I want to, how I feel like it should be done. And so I'm like, all right, I got to pick my son up. I'm coming home. So I probably would have watched it if I had more time, Brian. <laughs> I almost feel like I want to try to pull it up right now just because I can't remember what it was. I just know it's bad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to start with this quote because I read it in... I don't know. I read it in something of yours and it stuck out to me. It said, my once passionate profession was slowly killing me, man. And you touched on that. And so that leads to a different life. The birth of your daughter mm. changed everything. I want you to take us to that moment because you said that made you have to change yeah. the way you were looking at things, the way you were working how you wanted to work. I'm sure the load that you took on. Okay. Take us to that, that moment, that memory where you go, okay, I can't do it like this anymore. Yeah. And I think it was, and I mentioned this to somebody else uh, one time that I don't think I realized that the burnout led to like a depression that overflowed everything. So one of the mm. things I mentioned in the book is what I call the overflow principle, right? That you, if your job sucks, 
your personal life is not going to be all rosy. It's going to overflow. It just is the way it works. And so um, I didn't understand that as well as I do today, but I think it was at that moment, you know, uh, I'm, I'm holding this little miracle, right? Cause uh, part of that story is that my wife and I kind of had given up hope that we'd have kids. And so 17 years later, this little, little one comes along and, uh, but I was, I was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. My blood pressure was up. I was, I was like binge watching Netflix, which, you know, some people sitting there or listening, watching this might be like, yeah, that's, that's my life. Well, that's because probably your job is burning you out so much that you feel that you need to do nothing to recover. And, and I would say to you, um, it may feel as though it works and it may make you feel good, but when you look at what it's doing to your health and then you think about what you want, ultimately want in your life, um, you'll find out that maybe that's not actually, it may be helping, but it's not, it's not pushing me forward. Right. So mm. it was in that time, like holding her and going, Whoa, wait a minute. Um, this kid is going to need a dad. And if she's going to need a dad, I can't be the guy I am right now. And so I got to start making some changes. And and it was, it was a month after she was born, kind of like had, had a little health wake up call. And so it, it, that, you know, I had, I guess I had always had these thoughts about how I wanted to do the job, but I didn't realize how much of my own mind I, I wasn't managing. I just wasn't on top of really mm. thinking about how I thought about my colleagues and how I thought about my position and that I call it the hero's mindset. If you're familiar with the hero's journey, like this idea that it's you, right? Um, if I had a fight song, it'd be from Rocky four. It, it'd be that, um, it was the burning heart, you know, it, it's it, where he yeah, says it's survivor. you against you. It's the paradox that, you know, that, uh, and I, no, I can't sing it. I'm not going to do that to you, but like, you know, it's, it's you against you. It's the paradox that drives us all. There it is that line. And I'm like, man, that was it. So I, it's not, I don't, I don't have any enemies, you know, it's not the kids, it's not the parents, it's not the teachers. It's not my colleagues. It's not the admin. I don't have enemies for me. I got to step up and I got to be, the person that I want to be and that includes all those, what I call in the, in the book domain. Sorry, I'm not necessarily trying to plug it a thousand times, but like that it was my personal life, my professional life, and then my health. And if those aren't all banging on all cylinders, then something is, is going to give. And for me, it was my health. And that was like, well, wait, if you don't have your health, you've got nothing, got nothing. You got nothing. And, and uh, I just, somebody just said this the other day that true, True um, wealth is health plus freedom. And I was like, ooh, if I am. And so you mentioned those three words for me, right? Like, and it was health, connection, and impact. And they've changed a little bit over time. But health, since I need to be physically able. And then connection, I need to be present and available. Like if I'm on my phone, when my dot, no. I need to be there, right? So that's connection. And that applies across all those things. You got to connect with people at work. You got to connect with people at home. You got to be willing to connect, right? So, and then the last one is make a difference. Know who you are and then um, stop playing small. I spent too much of my mm. life, too much of my career worried about my own self-protection to open my mouth. Uh, now, you, you know, it, it's a little bit harder to close it, but you know, maybe because I waited so long, right? Like the stuff is in there. And so as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I want to make a difference and and you make a difference by putting yourself out there and you may not be for everybody. You're not for everybody. Who cares? Find the people you connect with, 
and make a difference, whatever that is, right? It's yes. not, I don't know why it, it took me so long. It, like, why did I overcomplicate this? <laughs> Man, that, that brings me to a conversation I was having with a guy today. So he works in IT for our school. I actually plan on having him on as well because he's got an amazing story. But he was just talking about how just looking around the school and seeing so many people that are hurting uh, kids yeah. that it's just, he said it was taking the toll on them. And so sometimes you're like, you don't know what to do. And so I just told him like, you have to help in whatever area is your area. Yep. Right. So if you're IT and you have an opportunity to, you know, to, to help a kid in that way and, and then connect in some way, and you do it the best you can in that, in that way, right? right? I'm the speech teacher, you know, I, I'm the coach. Like I do different stuff on my campus, but my main thing is just, you know, just talking to people, you know, asking questions, you know, what do you like asking. to do? You know, I think what are your goals is one of that, one of those questions I always like to stay away from. It's so generic. I feel like mm -hmm. everybody asks about goals. I'm always like, what do you like? What do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? Like sure. what's fun for you? That's much more let's personal. Start, yes. Well, let's start there. And maybe that's projecting a bit because I'm not even like a big goals guy, right? People are always, you got to have goals. You got to have this goal. You got to have long-term goals. You got to have short-term goals. And I'm not saying that none of that is, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying for me, I just go, okay, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Okay. And once I figure that out, I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. And I'm always going to be trying to get better in some way. Right. Right. And whatever happens from there, then, you know, we figure it out as we go. Right. So as long as I could keep things at like step one, do this, step two, do this, yeah, yeah. step three, do this. And, you know, so for me, um, I'm sure there are things that I'm missing because I, I look at things that way, but you know, Hey, we are who we are. Right. Right. So right. however, however you can connect and help. That's, I mean, that's, that's number one. Yeah. That's number one. What, how else, what better way is there to do it than to do it the way that we know how? Yeah. Yeah. So I forget what the famous quote is, be you because everybody else is taken. Right. And, and, uh, it's funny, I'm going to plug your, your subscribe, uh, thing because in, in the, that we were talking about before the show and, mm -hmm. and that idea of like the little widgets on my phone and, you know, so I had heard a guy, it's, it's the guy who created Dilbert and right now his name is escaping me. He wrote a book called how to fail at almost anything and win still win in life. And he talks about yeah. a goal. So this is, he meant, he means this to be inflammatory, um, but like goals are for losers. And, um, and he said mm -hmm. that systems are, are much more about a lifestyle. I'm, I'm going to, but I'll paraphrase it real quickly. He's like, you know, most people set a goal to lose 10 pounds. That's what he means. Losers. And he said, you live in misery and failure, hoping it's temporary. <laughs> and then when you get to the goal, you stop. But if you live in a system of what you want and what you're about and who you are, then it's like, and there's another book out there. I wish I could remember. They call it the wig, you know, the wildly important goal. And this, this wrecked me, you know, as far as like, yes, that's me, which was, 
what is the thing I have to do every day? If I do that thing, you would ask me the question, right? If I do these six things every day, I know I've already won the day and it might only be 615. And, and so mm. I'm, because I'm staying true to who I want to be, and these are the actions that lead me to more of that. And so, um, that, you know, if you're not subscribed, you get, you get all that bonus stuff. Um, just, just like <laughs> click, I feel like I need to do it. Click the bell. You know, no, I'm kidding. But, um, but yeah, like that, that's, I think that's better. You can have a goal. A goal could be super, as you said, generic, right? Oh, I want to be the same thing everybody else wants to be. But when you can figure out, like you can clearly define the characters, the values, the beliefs, mm. the mission you're on, and then say, okay, what gets me there? And for me, it was the reason I stepped out to start doing more podcasts was connection. Yeah. It's my second one. If I can connect with people and bring value or say something that makes somebody think, then I'm, I get my second one impact. Right. So I was like, Oh, I need to, I need to do that. And if I can do that every day with a, a kid in my classroom or a colleague down the hall or home of my daughter, or my wife, right then I am being who I want to be. I'm practicing so I can do it better all the time. We're not always perfect, but it's a lot better than putting a, a goal on a poster that you just look at and don't move towards, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. And then I got, I want you to talk about like your podcast and your books. Yeah. Uh, I was posting this on TikTok, and I said, like, be all that you can that day. You know, some days it may be a hundred percent, some days Love it may it. be eighty-eight percent, maybe fifty percent, and maybe two percent. That may be it. You know, but whatever you have, you know, bring it to the table and we'll work from there. You yeah. know, so that's always kind of like you're not gonna be your best every day. Nope. You know, but just but try your best every day. Oh man, that's good. Yep. Yeah. And I think like having that grace and understanding rather than yeah. a perfectionism kind of mindset. It's funny. The guy, I mentioned the guy I co-teach with, he, he's had some stuff going on in family and it was health wise. And he, I just, I happened to be in his room. This wasn't one of those days we were teaching together. And he said to the kids, I mean, these are like fifth, sixth and seventh graders. He goes, you're not there every day. And today is one of those days for me. And I know you're going to have one of those days. So here's what we're going to do. And I was like, you know, I, th this is one of those things I think teachers are afraid to do, right? Why are we afraid to model failure or imperfection or reality? Like, and now this is, goes back to, this is just core belief for me. I, I, I start off the year with what I call my idiot speech. And I'll say you, right now you're an idiot. And the kids are like, what? And I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit. And then I'd say, but my job is to make sure you're less of an idiot every day from this point on, because I was an idiot when I was in middle school. It just is. It, that's, that's your name tag, right? Like you're trying to figure out life. And, and you know, I closed the door before I had this little speech because I wasn't oh, sure yeah. oh, if everybody yeah. else understood what I was getting at, but that you would, I would have kids, they're smirking. And I think what they realized in that moment as I was willing to go there, but to, to tell them that I, I look, I see you and, mm. and it's cool, but I'm not going to let you stay there. Right. And so I love that you said that like that. Um, just what do you got today? And that's, that, that's what we got to work with. That's what we got to work with. Yep. Yep. I love I, it. I have kids and you know, it. You when you know your classroom, you're like, okay, you, okay. 
I, I can tell you don't you don't have it all today. Okay, just just relax. You're good. We are going to pick this up tomorrow. Like do whatever. And yet it is there that are teachers that will poke that kid. Like that's what uh-huh. I don't I don't get it. Like you know the kid's having a bad day, and so you're like, nah, pick her, pick her head up, get off the I'm like. What? I think you've grossly overestimated your importance in their life right now. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, I have a quick story now. Yeah. So I had this one kid. Uh, this was maybe, I don't know, maybe two years ago. You know, they start to all run together. Yes. But you remember the kids. Mm. So I had this girl and we had group projects going on. She was working with her group or whatever. And she would sleep almost every day almost every day in class, this child had the highest grade in the class. And I would get her up, you know, when it was time to like explain something. Uh, But how I teach is I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to give you the work and then I'm just going to give you time to do it. Right. I'm not going to spend too much time explaining. I don't need to walk through a PowerPoint for y'all to get this. Right. At least I don't think so. I I just haven't really taught that way since I've been a teacher. Uh, and so I'm walking around, group work's happening, they got their project to do, and she's over there knocked out. And so I go over there, and, the, and her group, the people that she's working with, they're like, Mr. Franklin, let her sleep. Her part is done. It's awesome. She had a long night. She had AP testing she was studying for. And I was like, her part's done. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, we shouldn't penalize kids. Right. For getting their work done early. Why am I why am I now you've done everything I asked? Why would I then not allow you, I guess, this freedom? Now, she had the highest grade in class. If that girl had a sure. a 72, yeah, you know, you you need to get up. <laughs> There's no way. I, I tell kids when I tell that story, I think I say like 97 or 98 is like the sleep threshold. Like you have to be here. It's high. It's high. <laughs> it, it has to be. The sleep threshold. I be, love it. You have to be special to get away with breaking the rules. Right. I tell them that too. I right. say, so if you're going to go for it, go for it. Yeah. If you're going to do it the wrong way or do it the way that, that I haven't said, because you may bring something that is absolutely awesome and better than I thought of. Right. But it's got to be really, really good. So you better take that step wise. Uh, <laughs> you talked about making the decision um, to get into media and, and yeah. podcasts. You mentioned your books a couple times. Take us back to to the story. I'm always wanting to know the stories, the, the yeah. moments, right? Take us in. Mm. You go, okay, I have a book on my hand. And then you go. I have a second book yeah. <laughs> on my hands. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, um, th- those are kind of, kind of different stories in the sense. So I, I actually wrote a book and it finished it in 2012. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, so I, I was involved with uh, youth ministry for a long time and, and leadership, church leadership. And, and, um, and so I kind of got this feeling it's the same with education, right? Like, so any, any institution, you got a chance for people to misinterpret the point. And so it felt like for me, I wanted to give people like a journey to say, well, 
what what was the designed intention for this and for you? And so that was the first book, but I was done in 2012. I didn't publish it until mm. my wife told me that we were expecting. And that, so like you, you say like I was, I was 43, right? Like, and, and I had been sitting on this book afraid. This is the crazy part. Like I had a chance to speak at conferences and, and like go to like youth events and, and stuff like that's my, that's my jam. I love that stuff. But to put it out there in writing with my name on it for a larger audience that there was some fear there. And, and it was like, well, wait a minute what am I doing? You know, like if I believe that this was worth sharing with one person, then mm. why wouldn't I, I, you know, it's like that false humility. You're like, Oh no. You're like, yeah, no, you're afraid. Like, let's just, let's just say it. <laughs> and I was, it and so there. it was like, I was like, I don't know if you know who Sean Cannell is. It's like, you know, on YouTube, he talks about punching fear in the face. I'm like that. I felt like that was my moment. Right. That she told me and I'm like, man, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I did this. What, why am I not sharing this? It was, it's almost like, you, why not me? You know, like you come to that point where I forget the guy who said it. He said, um, the, uh, the people, God, nor people are served by you playing small. And I'm like, mm. you know, like sat there deer in the headlights for a minute. I'm like, so I, I published it, but again, I didn't say a whole lot. could kind of quietly pu publish this book. And <clears throat> then I, you know, I reached out to a couple people and, and over time now I'm like, you know, what? I'm, I'm, I need to be, I need to put myself out there more. So that's kind of a little bit of that story it was like, I got to do this for her. She, no matter what happens down the line, she comes across this. She's going to know at least a baseline of what I believe and what faith is about and, and how we were designed to live. Like that's, that's out there. Right. So then when COVID hit, I mean, I'm, I'm this like crazy tech guy. I'll try anything. Like I pilot piloted iPads before anybody had iPads. Like I just, I just, I get bored easy. So give me some new stuff. Right. So I had been just created this YouTube channel and I was just posting dumb stuff for my students, you know, here or there. I, I had this like facial animation software where I did a cartoon voice on a, well, it's, oh, it's, it's cringy now, but it's got like 70,000 views. Like people are still commenting on, it. I'm like, oh, please stop watching that. But, um, so I, I go through that and I'm sitting here as COVID hits. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Teachers that aren't like me are going to struggle right now. So I started right here where I'm sitting. I started making tutorials and I'm like, Hey, here's a tool that can help you in 60 seconds. And here's one, here's a way you can build hyperdocs or you could use Pear Deck or like, and I started just as a service. I'm like, I, people that I know are going to struggle. And so then it mm. became, I got thinking more, it's not just about tech. This is about actual education. This is about the life of kids and the life of teachers. And, and that was when I started to be like, you know, this has given me joy and new life and, and I'm starting to see how burned out I was. And so that led to the podcast, the, you know, the book and started getting into that. Like, I didn't want to see teachers go 30 years in a career that they, they could have enjoyed kid mm. or if you're not enjoying it, well, what are you putting out there? What kind of product is coming out of your classroom or, and onto those kids? And so you're, you're doing every day you sit burned out, you are actually doing damage to children. Mm. I mean, full stop, sit on that for a minute and then ask yourself if, if it wasn't just your profession, 
How is it impacting your family? And how is it impacting your longevity and your health and your happiness? And as soon as you go, whoa, what am I doing? Then you'll want to say, maybe I need to take a little bit of time to figure out what I want. And, and maybe, uh, maybe you need to leave education. Maybe you need to figure it out and then go back in with renewed vigor. I don't know, but I know that you can't be blaming. You can't take the victim mentality. This is your life. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get a little switch foot quote in there. You know, is this who you want to be? Right? Like if, because no one else is going to do it for you, you got to figure it out or at least give yourself the time to sit and not be distracted by your phone or Netflix or whatever. You got to figure out who you want to be, what the life means for you. And that's why I say to people like, you know, you ask the question, the answer to that question is I had a midlife crisis and I, and I mm. felt like, I don't like to call it that because it's the best gift in the world. I wish I could have had it at 18. I wish earlier in my life, I could have had something to make me realize like, whoa, I'm here for a purpose. I wish I could, I got my ear, my ear. I can't grab it behind me, but there's a picture. And, um, it's of a wrecked car. I got in a car accident at 17 years old. And I, I made a video about it because I, put, I stuck it on the wall behind my desk and kids would be like, what's that <laughs> crappy wrecked car? This is like a 1981 Oldsmobile Omega. They probably only made them like three years, <laughs> but I had a tree at almost 70 miles an hour Ooh. and walked away. And I didn't realize it right away, but the older I got, the more I was like, I shouldn't be here. And as hmm. soon as you can come to that realization, you know, I think maybe we get those steps throughout life. Like you had this happen and okay, that didn't wake him up. So, you know, sooner or later you get something that goes, that shakes you and maybe hmm. it knocks the dust off. Maybe it, it reawakens something. But if you haven't had that moment yet, man, the next break, the next chance you get, you, do your family, your health, your students, everybody in your life a favor and get after it. Like whether that means going to Airbnb for a long weekend, but man, it is not going to be fun. But the other side of it is the, you know, that's the glory road, right? Like, man, now yeah. I know, I know why I'm alive. I know what I'm meant to do here. I know how I want to teach. I know how I want to interact. I know how I want to live and I'm not perfect every day, right? Like, but it, it doesn't mean that I can't make a step forward every day with, like you said, the best I got that day. And um, that's, that's what I want to strive for, right? Absolutely. Mm. And I think that's I like a great that. place. <laughs> that's a great place to transition to our three what's. I asked this to every guest. I mean, I think you have actually covered all of these things already. <laughs> But I'm going to ask him anyway, because you it. might have some very pointed things, okay? First what? What's an opinion that you have that will be considered unpopular? Ooh, there's a lot of those. Um, right. See the first part of the oh, episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say um, probably that being a victim is easy, but um, mm -hmm. once you choose to take the responsibility for your life, then everything gets easy. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's a, an opinion so much as a statement that I think it's to, 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 to say you're a victim is the easy way out, but to say, no, no, I may, I'm going to make a commitment. I don't care what anybody else says. And this is going to change. Ooh, 
That's empowering. I love it. I love it. Okay. Second what? You kept that one short and sweet. Yep. Yep. I'm trying now. If you weren't in, I guess, teaching. Yeah. Okay. What field would you, would you work in? So uh, this is what I'm hoping now is uh, I want to be a speaker. As you can, as you can tell, I'm a mouth, right? Clearly. And, and, um, and I've, I've always had this, this, even at, like you, you asked me this earlier, I can go back to nine, 10 years old. We had a beagle when I was a kid and I used to walk in the woods with the beagle. And I remember sitting down on an old uh, stone wall, stone foundation that was on my parents' property. I lived out in the sticks, right? So, um, and I would just think like, this is nine, 10 years old. Like just think about life. And I do that to this day. Um, and then I would always, always felt like I had either a joke to tell. And then I'd be looking around like, you know, and my friends think that was funny and, uh, or some like, oh, I thought about this way of saying it or this way of looking at something. And, and I would, you know, have something I wanted to share. And, you know, so it's, I don't know. That's why I said have comedian. I don't know if it's like, I would say this would make me a horrible math teacher, but like half comedian, half preacher, half, I know there's not three halves, but like, you know, half motivational speaker. Like that's what I want. That's what I, I'm coming mm. to realize. Even in my classroom, I became, I wanted to be funny. I wanted to like twist the, twist the knife a little bit and say, Hey, is this the way you want to live? And then I wanted to inspire people. So, um, yeah, I would say that's probably where I'm going there. It's not if, if it's, it's, uh, it's when it's when, and it's soon. Man, it's when, and it's soon. I like that. That's good. Mm. Okay. Last what, even though you've already given some great advice, the question here is what mm. advice would you give to someone in high school? Take this back to my class. I go, man, you guys got to listen to this teacher as if okay. you don't listen to enough teachers. Uh, what would you tell those kids? Okay. This is going to be controversial. You all right with that? Oh, <clears throat> do yeah, do not, do not accept the lie that you have to go to college. I'm going to tell you that you need to number one decide. And now this is, man, I'm going to go back to what we said earlier. You may not be able to accurately predict what your future self will want, but if you can honestly forget everybody sitting around you, forget the expectations of your parents, of the generations before and after you, just, just for a second, think about what you want your life to be about. Can you give me three words that this is what I value, this is who I am, and this is what I want, and then reverse engineer that life. So if you can project forward 10 years, this is what I'm doing. And I love it. This is my life is awesome. How did you get there? And if you can mm. put that forward, you could say, well, Hey, maybe you're like, well, I'm, I'm working with, um, pediatric cancer patients in, you know, then you went to college, right? Because you needed to, but it, maybe it's, and I don't know what things are like there. Like here, I, I had a, a kid who came up to our youth ministry. And, um, and he was like, all I want to do is operate heavy machinery. What? <laughs> he got a two-year business degree, but you know, they make like 80 bucks an hour running a steamroller or a crane or, and he loves it. And he is home to be with his family. That's a win, you know? And so it, it doesn't matter, uh, what that is. If you are 
truly open and honest with yourself when you picture that. And then you go after it the, with everything you got, whatever that path is, because the worst thing that we're seeing in this generation right now, that's, that's maybe under 30 is they got $200,000 of debt and they still don't know what they want to do with their life. Mm. And, and if you are 20 years old, one of my former students is now he's an electrician. He's like 20 years old. That kid's making bank right now. And he, he wanted to be an electrician. He went in through an apprenticeship program, the journey, whatever they call it. I don't know, had some like technical stuff, um, training and he, he has no debt and he's making more than probably a starting teacher is making (laughs) here in New York, which actually pays kind of, kind of good. So uh, like pick based on, uh, your joy, your health, the lifestyle that you want. Um, don't pick based on money. Look, the money will be there. You're going to develop skills that you could say, Mm -hmm. well, man, I could be a photographer on the side. I got all this equipment around me. I could do that. If, if this, if it hit the fan and I had to go out, you're going to find skills because you love to learn. You're going to develop stuff that those, that skill stack, build a skill stack, man. I'm giving you bonus material here, right? Like, you know, uh-huh. whatever it is that you love, pursue, and you're going to stack skill upon skill upon skill. But then you got to look at what kind of life do I want to live? Do I want to work 16 hours a day, six days a week, and then die at nope. 50? No, nobody wants that. But some people pursue it because they pursued money or something that really wasn't of value. So figure out what you value. And then figure out the life that will get you there. And then that will tell you what to do next. Wow. Way to put a bow on that, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is the part. Plug it off. Social yep. media. Where can people find your books? Go. All right, cool. So uh, as a as a play on the dome, I, I – uh, I went at bald Psy, right? So it was bald guy Psy, which sounded like Bill and I, the science guy back in the day when I was, you know, science teacher. So at bald Psy, you can find me on, uh, Oh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, you can check out if you're interested in personal development stuff. I mean, look me up, Brian Zavotek. You look up my name on TikTok as well. Um, but on Amazon, I have two books out. One is called nothing more, which is the 40 day spiritual, you know, kind of thing that, I believe God created us this way and we put other things on that and he wants us to come back to nothing more than who he created us to be. And then um, recalculating is this, the second book. It's about education burnout. It's really that idea of you've all been in a car when that GPS was like recalculating, you know, cause you went off track. And when you get off track in life, sometimes it's because you took a wrong turn. And sometimes it's because you realize that destination needs to change. And for some people, they're like, whoa, I don't want to live this life because I see where the destination is. I want to change it. And you need time to recalculate. And that means assessing everything I just said, assessing your values, assessing your goal, your vision, who you are, your strengths, your skills, and then pursuing something that makes sense for who you want to be. So you can check out all that stuff. My podcast um, is called Kick Some Class. Try to get a little edgy there. Um, And it's kicksomeclass.com. And, uh, so a lot of times on my podcast, I talk about just things like this, man. It's if you poke the bear, you're going to, that's then some of the episodes a little bit shorter. I'm interviewing people just cause the same deal, man. I want to hear what's going on with them. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's all my stuff. There we go. Make sure y'all follow Brian on all of his socials. And of course you follow your favorite host, Tony Rambles, 
at the Living Numbers Podcast on IG and TikTok. I post most of my stuff there. Some stuff on Facebook too. Uh, share, rate, review, five stars. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify because me and Brian are going to go off here uh, once we stop rolling. And I want y'all to be able to get that great conversation too. And then, of course, merch link in the description. Signing off, I am your host, Tony Rambles, and I will see you all in the next round. Voila. Oh, so I thought Rambles was your last name. <laughs> so that's why I was having that's, a hard time finding you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>